Welcome back to Questions You Never Thought to Ask, the Whitewater Kayaking Podcast. My name is Seth Ashworth, and this is your first time here. Welcome. If you're a regular listener, welcome back. This week, we've got a fun and exciting episode lined up for you. But just before we get started, I do have a quick and important announcement. I must start this podcast by saying thank you so much to the people who support on Patreon. Patreon is a crowdfunding platform which allows you to chip in uh, a, a couple of dollars every month just to help keep this podcast going. And you also get early access to the podcast, so it's usually up on there. Um, sometimes many weeks, sometimes just a few weeks before it goes live um, through the regular channels. So a little bit of a perk for you, a little bit of incentive. Um, anyway, I couldn't run this podcast without those people. So I'm very grateful. I just want to extend once again, another big thank you to them. Um, yep. Yeah, for now, enjoy this podcast and I will, uh, see you in a future one. Okay. Peace. All right, welcome back to questions you ever thought to ask the whitewater kayaking podcast this week. I'm joined with, uh, I, I say Olympic hopeful canoeist um, because Lois would have been on track to be going to the Olympics soon. Just one one qualifying race away from representing Canada uh, in Lois. What? What? Tell everyone what's uh, what's up. Yeah. Uh, so I was. Yeah, we were racing qualifying this year for uh, slalom women's canoe, um, and we were we were one race away from having a spot for Canada, and then. That would have been, and that was also our deciding race in Brazil uh, in April, just before everything kind of went to, well, where it is now. And <laughs> so, yeah, that was. All right, let's, we um, let's, let's backtrack. I've got a oh, couple sorry. of important questions. Yeah. One, do you introduce yourself as like kayaker or canoeer? I am a canoe slalom athlete, but I do kayak as well. So I think canoe slalom, I like the term because it kind of, that's our our sport term, and it encompasses kayaking as well, and the subtle nuances of it all. <laughs> well, when you're when so, you're like shooting at people, when you meet them in the street, you're like, I'm, I'm a, a canoe slalom. Oh, do you say you're no, a, I'm kayaker. a I'm a kayaker. Okay. It's easier. Okay, that's Nobody knows what get canoe off. slalom is. <laughs> and Lois, do you want to give everyone a bit of a rundown on how you got to being an Olympic hopeful canoe slalom athlete? Like a, uh, a brief a brief breakdown of how you started canoeing to to pre-COVID-19, uh, you know, Olympic hopeful? Yeah. Um, well, I my parents were avid canoe trippers. They guided for Blackfeather when they were younger. And I grew up in, in that uh, outdoors canoeing community. And then I started at the Ottawa River Runners um, summer camps kayaking. I learned to roll my own kayak. And I was like, this is pretty cool. And uh, I don't know. I um, had a couple coaches that were like oh you should do slalom and I started doing it like twice a week and then three times a week and then twice a day and uh, it kind of snowballed pretty quickly from I guess around 2012 I started uh, the development program at the Ottawa River, River Runners and then yeah snowballed I guess yeah. So it's just kind of a natural, a natural progression from like summer camp to slalom camp to slalom racing Yeah, yeah Okay. And I think that's like a lot of a lot of people who are slalom racers kind of follow that same stream, right? Yeah, I'd say there's a lot of uh like I guess starting in, in wreck boating or just plastic boating, kayaking, and then you kind of it's it's a bit of a niche sport. There's not a lot of places that have slalom gates set up and and that uh the the infrastructure for slalom and carbon boats. Uh so it's a bit tricky 
like in terms of you say oh like most people that do slalom uh in canada that's the case i think we it's you started a summer camp <laughs> go from there so we haven't really i've actually been taking kind of hiatus on this podcast from talking about covid19 because it's a bit depressing yeah but it seems like it's it's especially in your world it's like probably had the biggest impact in like you you had this kind of like uh, you know, landmarks of like what you were doing throughout the year and what you were working towards. What yeah. what are you like? How have you readjusted from like whatever you're? I guess you were probably on two days before, or uh, and now you're on. I guess lockdown at home. Like, what what does it look like for for people at home? How could you color your color your situation a little bit for people who are like don't really understand what it's like to be a full time slum canoeist? Yeah, well, uh, I spent two months in Australia this winter. We were doing two or three sessions a day, uh, mostly two a day on whitewater and then a gym or a run, something else like that. Uh, and so that went from super high volume. Um, and then we came home in March and then we were home for three weeks and we were supposed to go to Brazil right after that. Um, so we were in like a very high volume s- section, I guess, of our training uh and then it was all of a sudden oh you're not leaving your house uh so took a i guess a couple weeks of of pretty light training just i would go for a run every so often i don't know like i would i was active but not riding my bike and stuff but not in the same way uh that i've i've gotten back into training uh for the last oh a little while now quite a like two months maybe i don't know how long this whole thing has been (laughs) Yeah, the um, time seems to be all the same. <laughs> yeah, I've got a good home gym set up now. Uh, collected weights from various friends that live near me uh, at distance, of course, and wiped them down. But I got some good weights, and uh, I have a back shed in the backyard. And um, my brother helped me build a bench pull and a bench press set up. And so I've, I've my strength coach is super great. He adapted uh, to what I have now as a gym. Uh, he adapted my program. So I've got a very good, like, four or five times a week uh, lifting weights, which is nice because that's a very structured situation. And yep. then uh, other than that, I've been using the opportunity to ride my bike, which I haven't been doing the last few summers because don't bring a bike to Europe. And then um, running. And uh, I've been actually paddling my slalom boat uh, alone uh, on water. Um, which has been a, a nice form of therapy. <laughs> and then, yeah, so it's been pretty good. Uh, after the adjustment period, it's been pretty good. Um, getting Do back you think you went through like a, like a morning, like a loss period where you like had all these like kind of goals laid out and then you like suddenly had them all taken away? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Most definitely. <laughs> uh, it was a, a couple weeks of, of very low motivation uh not really keen to do anything not really keen to do anything day after day and then I don't know I guess I guess I kind of realized how long it was going to be and then that there was a bit of freedom in in that realization of just how long it's going to be that it doesn't it doesn't matter as much and I kind of when I took the pressure off myself uh in that sense then I was I, I got back to enjoying it very quickly which was good and I think a lot of people felt the same way of like, I guess the last two years have been 2020 focused. Um, 
longer than that, but for me, like very realistically, was the last two years very um, Olympic driven, and then that like having having that there was a big talk about oh, Team Canada's not going if they're still going to be Olympics, and then the next day they were like oh well there's actually not going to be an Olympics this year it's going to be the next year, uh, and that was a very relieving. Uh, um, news release, I guess, the, just having that um, assurance that we're not we're not falling behind, we're not nothing's like everybody else is in the same boat, and then yeah, Olympics way, was actually you know, they were pretty like they were pretty behind the curve there of saying yeah we're shutting it down for this year, like everyone else was like absolutely oh, yeah. not, there's no what way, and Olympics was like no, nah, we're gonna hold out, you know, we're gonna make a ton of money, <laughs> like we're gonna hold out, we're gonna hold out, yeah, talk about. Uh, bad management or something i don't know oh my goodness yeah, yeah. um yeah. so are you, are you pretty fired up now that you like now that you know olympics is a year away you're like your timelines like add add one year are you pretty hyped to just be able to be in better shape or like what's yeah. your what's your viewpoint on- well, well i just got off the phone with my coach and um i finished by saying hey like i'm really excited about this uh which i thought was a, a nice like i was like oh yeah i actually am really excited about this this is great um we're going back to basics as he likes to say and we're going to spend because we have about a 15 month block before realistically we might have a race um i mean technically we still have dates but i'm very confident that we're not leaving ottawa or at least eastern canada uh for the next like this summer so uh i'm really excited to to spend the time to work on I'm going to write down a list of, well, I've got a list of weaknesses I need to work on. And, and so then I have a whole summer uh, at home at the pump house in Ottawa to work on that. And that's not something I've had for a number of years now because we, we always leave in May, June, and we go to Europe. And then I'm in Europe all summer. And, and, to, we- and to fill people in on that who are not familiar with like the pro slalom world, they like through the, through the summer there's a bunch of like world championship world cup races that are like in slalom that's like what you're working towards as your like yearly targets right yeah that's right yeah and then and it's a very eurocentric sport so everything's in europe even the little races are in europe we have like a, a little race in europe is 250 people and a little race in canada is 25 people so and that's know, exactly <laughs> this is like a perfect segue into what i really wanted to talk to you about today yeah. Lois. I want to talk about like the the conversation I feel like I'm having the most uh, in the last like five months is like I'm I'm trying to save whitewater kayaking. I'm trying to figure out what we can all do to work together to stop whitewater kayaking dying out. And yeah. slalom is obviously a big part of that because it you know has that Olympic back behind it. Yeah. So I want to know like what's the what's the slalom scene in Canada uh, and in North America generally if you can expand on that. But I, yeah. I know you're going to be more familiar with Canada. Like, what's the scene surrounding slalom? Is it, fr- like, you know, doing pretty well, thriving? Is it struggling? Um, just give us an outline for people who are not familiar or who just aren't in the... Like me, I'm not, I'm not in the slalom scene. I have no idea if there's yeah. a lot of people. Um, is it thriving or is it struggling? That's a hard question. Um, I mean, it doesn't necessarily because, have to be one or the other, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'd say... I would say our our general direction, like we've got a lot of energy and a lot of organizations that are, are really working towards growing the sport even more. It kind of, 
I so as I've been aware of things since sort of 2014, 15 was when I started to be aware of like our our national situation and and since then I've noticed sort of an ebb and flow of participation. And then if you look further before that, um, like there's a greater ebb and flow of participation in it. And we used to have, we used to be one of the best countries in canoe slalom, um, like in the nineties with David Ford, he was our world champion. We had Margaret Langford. She was a world cup overall champion. I think she was very good. Anyway, we had like some good results and stuff. We had more participation at that point. And since then, I think there's been a general decline. I'm not hundred percent sure. I wouldn't quote myself on that, but, um, I think, Right now, I would say we're struggling. Um, we need we need more bums in boats, uh, but I don't know. I don't know. Generally speaking, um, like I can't speak to the participation of of like the development programs in Alberta and BC and stuff. But I do know that uh, like you go to nationals and it's not it's not a huge event. That's for sure. <laughs> so and. Is there like a, a lot of races for like younger kids or that have like younger kids categories? Uh, is there a lot of pro, like you said, you started in like a summer camp where, and then moved on to some racing. Yeah. Um, is there a lot of programs that kind of feed um, that like base, like the base of the pyramid, if you like? Well, our, yeah, not, we've got some good programs, but we've lost, we had the Ontario summer series. And I think I, I think in 2013, when I raced that, it was the last series, last year we really had it. We went to MKC, we went to Minden, we had one in Ottawa, uh, and they were properly competitive with the like young girls, young boys. There was like quite a few boats. Um, and then we lost that. We didn't have a, a full-time coach for a while in Ottawa. Uh, and then in 2016, uh, 17 maybe uh anthony collin came from france and uh he got hired by whitewater ontario uh as a coach and he started redeveloping the program basically uh that had had a lull in organization for a while and so since then we've had more kids coming through uh and more races in the summers um but then he also is working with the national team he's working for Canoe Kayak Canada now so he's out of there and then it's this, it's this perpetual cycle of oh we have races this year oh no we don't really have races this year so there's no there's no great foundation in my opinion um, of races that are sustainable that kind of each venue organizes themselves uh, we don't have that like we don't have and Slalom kind of needs those those like local races right like that kind yeah, of that's exactly. how the whole the whole yeah. cycle perpetuates it, yeah. it needs those lower level races to and you encourage need the kids excited to go and you need like older athletes there to make the kids excited to go because i know that when when i was 13 or 14 and i got to go race and michael taylor was going to be there and he went to the olympics so that's pretty cool you know it's that it's that i would like i was that kid i was super excited right like you're like yeah and then now now i guess i'm I'm not like anybody's hero, but I, I definitely like, I like to go and I encourage kids and you see people and they're like, they smile and they, they, you see the excitement and that's, um, but we don't have the races to go to, to have that excitement. So I think that's, that's our biggest problem right now.
And I, I get what you're saying. Like back back in the day, like more than yeah. 10 years ago now, I used to race slalom when I lived, when I was in England because there was yeah. like a, a good spot near where I lived. And I would go to like, uh, there's like four divisions of like slalom races in England. Yeah. So there's like a, a like really low, like entry level. And then there's like some mid levels. And there's like a one top division called Pre- Premier Division, which is like all the people who are like in the, in, in pretty competitive for yeah. like and who's going to get in the, goal, that, like, right? top, the top spot yeah and yeah. and you can work up th- and I was like I was in division one I think no I, w- I was in division one for sure and uh, but it was fun and but there was like a lot of people like you could like some of the bigger races had like 100 races you know like yeah. it was difficult to get spots sometimes yeah. for you know an amateur level competition with no prize money and it's, in, it's always interesting to me to come from that to here where it's like there's not really that kind of like bustling scene of a lot of people really hyped on it mm-hmm. and I so what I'm trying to figure out is what we can do to help improve our scene to have a lot of people hyped on it and yeah it's difficult to like obviously in England it's like very regulated and there's a lot of people who volunteer their time um, or parts of their time to to make that happen and it's it's not you know two or three people doing a bunch of things it's like 20 people doing uh, like really small jobs you know as part of the system but I don't know what we can do here I don't know what your thoughts are on this of, of how we can get more uh, maybe it's more races or more camps or what do you think would be the best use of resources to get more bums in boats, as you said? That's, that's the uh, million dollar question. It's, it's something that I've, I've thought about and uh, I've, I've worked at um, like gone to meetings that are at the Ottawa river runners and we've brainstormed and come up with ideas and then sort of there's not, I think, I think our biggest problem is we need a huge amount of motivation for like five years or something to grow the base because at, at this point it's so few volunteers and they're spending so much time helping us and I'm super grateful for them but I also understand that, that that's not sustainable right like you have one dad and he's like well I'm I'm done now after 15 years of spending every minute that I had like yeah. I want a life of my own and then you have to find another mom or dad to do that and and see I think this might be part of our problem not just for slalom but for like white water as a whole is that there's it's so it's, it's like there's inbred. not enough people there's not enough people who are like looking at it um from the community point of like uh, I really enjoy this sport what can I do to help it grow and yeah. everyone's that like out having a great time which is fine like, but at some point, that's like a, a cycle that's going to push us into not having enough resources to, to keep it going anymore. For sure, um, yeah. And I'm pretty, I'm, I'm quite worried about it. And I think we, we kind of need to get a bit of an attitude shift from as many people as we can in our community. And this is probably the same in Slalom, where instead of having one dad or one mom who's like volunteers tons and tons of their time, if we could split that work between. 20 mums and dads you know exactly yeah and it's it's that it's but it's finding the sort of the momentum in volunteering like when one person starts to do it and then somebody else helps them that's how it how it grows right instead of one person doing it and people kind of looking at it and saying oh well that's done somebody's taking care of that 
and changing the mentality into oh like what can i do as well yeah um, i mean that's that's exactly like that that exactly how you just said it like what can i do as well and yeah I, I don't know how we can get more people into that what what can i do as well mindset to help out can you think of anything specifically for slalom that would get more i guess not more races happening this year but like more more opportunities for races to happen like how how does one go about getting a race from from nuts to nails well i think actually this year might be a very good opportunity for that um the trick is it's it's ever changing so it's hard to say but this opportunity where everybody is grounded at home um with less options of other things to do we are an outdoor sport we are like you could you could run on an entire race and not go near two meters of like next to somebody um, if you wanted to. Like you could totally, I don't think you could organize a race right now, but I think it's very reasonable to think that in three months you could organize a race. And I think, so I think that maybe if everybody's home sort of growing that this year could be a, a starting block for that. Um, but all right, so let's thought, let's thought experiment that out a little bit then. Let's say someone's listening to this, maybe not in a slalom place like Ottawa City where there's like already a slalom course established. But let's say someone has access to a local waterway. It doesn't have to be crazy white water, like, you know, class one, class two. Like I remember doing like races on almost flat water. Yeah, like with you, tiny bits you of totally current. can run flat water what, races. What, what, do you, what do you have to do start to finish? Like, you know, you live near a piece of water, which you have the owner's permission to access. What else do you need? Well, do you know how to kayak? Okay, that's step two. Step two is <laughs> uh, learning to roll, um, which is actually, you know, it's a technique-based thing. You Once you learn it, you're good. To be, to be yeah. honest, like when I used to race slalom, there was a lot of kids who couldn't roll. Yeah, that's true. Like tons of them. Yeah. Like if for the... The, the younger division, the lower division race, that was like <laughs> half the field, couldn't roll. Yeah, Still out there yeah. having a good time. So yeah. what else do you need to organize a race? You've got some people who want to race. You've got a place to race. What need else some, do you need? Some uh, one-inch PVC pipes and uh, some spray paint and okay. some wire. Okay. And uh, two very coordinated people and one person with a good throwing arm. And you've got to... You gotta set gates up, and that's a that is a barrier um, because a lot of uh, time goes into setting up a gate. Uh, even if you're very efficient, it, it's a it's a task. It takes time um, because you need to get a wire across the river, and then you need to put a, a gate on it, which is two pipes and a cross piece. And you know, it's, I guess it's just like it's one of those things <laughs> that just eats your day. Um, but once that's done, then they're set up. And uh, roughly how many gates do you need to make a race? Uh, well, you could have, if you had 10 gates, you could have a, a fun kids race, but up to 22 or 24 would be okay. like, like two, two to 400 meters is ideal. So you've water. got, so let's say you've got two to 400 meters of like flat water or easy, easy white water. Yeah. You've got some people who are coordinated and willing to spend a day getting some wire across the river and hanging up to 20 gates yeah you've got some people who want to race yeah what else do you need, you need um, someone, someone to set up a course yeah somebody needs to set the course uh you don't even need bibs you don't even need you need two stopwatches and 
I guess you, some gate judges would be good. Um, what's, and what's the role so, of a gate judge for people who don't know? Yeah, so in slalom, you go, you start at the top of the course and you go down between gates uh, like a downhill ski race, um, except for those gates set up in eddies. Uh, it's the counter currents of the, of the river. And so that's the upstream gate. And so there's six to eight of those in a race. And then there's um, like 18-ish downstream gates. And uh, so you need, so, those are, so there's green gates, which are the downstream gates, and there's red gates, which are the upstream gates. But you don't even need that. You could just, you could just explain to people, honestly, if, if you've got 20 people racing, you just tell people, this is an upstream gate, <laughs> if, if you wanted to do it that way. Um, or you can paint them, spray paint them. Uh, and then a gate judge is uh, a volunteer that stands on the course, on the side of the course, and watches to see if people go through the gate or touch the gate or don't go through the gate. And so if you touch the gate, you get two seconds added to your time. And if you miss the gate, you get 50 seconds added to your time, your final time. Uh, and for that matter, you don't even need to have separate people doing that. You can finish a race and walk up on the side of the bank and you can judge the next person, right? Like you, you could, you can, like grassroots, there's, there's options to have like a very yeah you can you can really recruit those athletes into doing a lot of work for you to make that race run like if everyone wants exactly. the race to happen you yeah. can make it happen do yeah. you need anything else you probably need some kind of insurance i guess but if you're probably, with yeah, your national governing body you might be able to get away with that or there yeah. might be a workaround uh, is there anything else that you need to get a race started uh motivation <laughs> motivation yeah you need a couple a few people who are organized like what do you think that's going to take like four people five people if you yeah if you have four people you could you could run a race and yeah. you could but have just push out those tasks as we've just described and maybe you have yeah. someone who's overall responsible for the timekeeping maybe yeah. you have um i don't know what else do you, is there anything else you can think of that you need because um, i want to make it i want to make it easy for people who are listening right now who are like yeah i don't know what i can do you could run a slalom race right you can do it in whatever kayaks you have you can yeah you can get some pipes, you can get some cable, you can get some friends, you can get, yeah. you know, get, get your cables over your section, set up your course, have all the well, athletes there on a certain time. And to me, that's like one of the great things, sorry to interrupt, one of the great things about slalom is you can turn um, 200 meters of flat water into a fun afternoon uh, that normally you would be like, what am I going to do on this for two hours? Well, you can paddle slalom on it for two hours, right? Um, you don't need, like, you don't need to go run a river necessarily. I'm obviously it's more fun to have white water and to do that. But if you don't have, like, to, in terms of just like short amount of time for high reward, it's a really, it's a great way to get in a boat in the interface. I mean, and I think for a lot of people too, uh, especially uh, people who are really respectful of social distancing who aren't doing shuttles of people exactly if running a river like because you can't shuttle because there's no one who lives in your house to go with you yeah um you know setting up a 200 meter slalom course on some flat water is a great way to still go kayaking and yeah. kind of keep that social distancing protocol in place um and you know people can just rewind back here and they've got like a guide basically of how to run a race in their local area <laughs> yeah yeah exactly i think i think that yeah time at home and it could be a good opportunity for more people to 
you know, you got your old dancer in your, your parents' garage. Go, go get it. It's a great boat. <laughs> you yeah. Know, it's, boat. Yeah. Get up, yeah, you can get after it, right? You can get after it in anything. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Like, you know, getting, getting around those, getting around the poles, getting to the end. It's fun. You're out there with other people. You're having fun. Like, you hit gates, you don't hit gates, whatever. It doesn't Who matter. Cares? That much, really. Yeah. Um, but the more, I think we agree that the, the more um, participation there is, the more interest in participation there is, equals like more participation. Um, in the end like maybe not doesn't immediately open up opportunities to participate but like if there's more people in an area who are hyped about something it will spread to other people who will want to get hyped about it yeah and sort of on that point is that i i find that there's a bit of uh, i guess a sense of elitism in the kayaking community in general slalom and recreational and whatever you want to call yourself in Canada, we were very like, well, I'm I'm a whitewater kayaker. I'm pretty cool. Um, and like, I don't. Th- I think that's a. a it's not toxic. Well, maybe it's toxic, but it's not. It's not a productive attitude. And I think, like, kind of letting that go and just say like, hey, like, you might not be a whitewater kayaker, but this is what I'm going to go do. And if you swim, it's fine. I'm not going to save you because social distancing. But you can swim to shore and you can swim with your boat. And like, we don't have to just because we're whitewater kayakers doesn't mean we can't invite people who aren't whitewater kayakers to go spend time outside together uh, on flat water. It's, um, I just did this podcast like a few weeks ago, like whenever, uh, whenever this comes out, it will have been the one before this one with Anna Levesque who um, used to do girls at play. Now she has another um, kayak school thing. Uh, but yeah. she was saying like we were talking about the same topic of like how to increase participation and she was saying we need to do a better job of kind of meeting people where they're at um, yeah she's kind of exactly how you just described um you know getting people in slow there like we, we've got to do a better job of saying like you know like if you're interested in this i can help you i can help you get into it you know what yeah I mean? yeah like, and as, as and much as we can mean i'm necessarily going to bring my friend who doesn't know how to kayak on a class four river with me, but that doesn't mean that I'm not going to go run the Ottawa river when they're ready to run the Ottawa river. Uh, even though it's not like the hardest white water I could be paddling, you know, like yeah. it's that kind of thing is the, my attitude towards it. And I, I, I get, a, I get sad when I hear people are, are very like, Oh, well, like I'm not going to do that. It's too easy or whatever. With my yeah. Friends. It's never, <laughs> yeah, it's never, you can always make it harder like there's yeah. no anyone it like whenever you meet people who are like well it's kind of too easy for me it's like well you can make it harder for yourself like, you know, <laughs> yeah yeah like, and it, i think you, you control the difficulty level sometimes yeah and slalom is a cool opportunity for that too especially like we have the pump house it's what i don't know class two not even maybe class one and a half two and uh well i guess it's two and don't really know um it's moving it's two yeah <laughs> it's got rocks uh, got rocks too got eddies yeah Dude. and um like our whole national team not our whole national team but like the majority of our national t- team trains there every day like it's and we can go out and we can paddle with people who are learning to kayak at the same time on the same piece of water and both have enjoyment out of that same thing and i think slalom is a very cool thing for that in terms of like the global enjoyment of kayaking in canada uh, if we can expand a bit of slalom participation, uh, that's it's it's basic whitewater technique, and and that's applicable to going to run rivers and building your base and your comfort in in whitewater. 
Um, so I think, like, yeah, it's exactly it's all part of that bigger umbrella, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's just another facet, another feather in the cap of whitewater kayaking. And I don't, I don't really care how many people we have to get into it, but we need to get more people into it if we're gonna all stay in it. I think. Yeah, yeah, and and you don't doesn't just because you do slalom doesn't mean you can only do slalom or you have to be on the national team or you have to like want to go to the Olympics either, right? There's there is a like if you look at so many sports, there's like beer league hockey. Like, why don't we have a beer league slalom? I'm not saying drinking on the river, but like drink after. Like, go, go like go have a Wednesday night race and then go for beers and then and never even think about the Olympics. And like, why don't we have that that attitude towards it? And that's that's another question I have in terms of like growing the participation in Canada. It's not just kids. It's, it's people in their 20s and their 30s and their 50s and their 60s. And that could be a great idea. Like, you know, you, you just kind of hash it yourself there. Beer League Slalom, like, every, like people can just rewind this podcast back like six minutes or whatever. You've, you've got like a, you, you, it's an outline of how to run a slalom race. It could be just for adults. You might maybe have to drink a beer before you participate or afterwards or whatever. Um, you know, Beer League Slalom could be a thing. Yeah. For and, everyone. And also, then you've got your people who are a bit older, who have the time maybe to help run races for kids and then you can build a pyramid from from the bottom and have that so you can go with your kids and you can go to your beer league and it can be the same event and you know you've got so many different things yeah, you have wednesday night beer league saturday morning kids league exactly yeah. i love it i love it <laughs> lois i think this has been really useful for people um who don't know about slalom and who are thinking about it or maybe they are interested but don't have opportunities in their area and they don't know where to start like this is a good starting point i think um so really thanks a lot for taking the time to to chat with us where can people follow you uh on the the socials um my instagram is lois betteridge and uh i i have a facebook page too but it's none of it's too exciting <laughs> so something on there about eggs when i was uh, uh trying to find for, uh, yeah that's my uh, my greatest sponsor is the Egg Farmers of Ontario. So get cracking. Get cracking. <laughs> See what I did there. Well, uh, Lois, thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, and I thanks will for the call. See you in a future episode of this podcast. Peace.